everybody. Welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll of ValleyIndie.org. That's a one-person nonprofit news site covering Ansonia, Derby, and Seymour. That intro music, by the way, is The Bad Slugs. The song is called Ride the Dinosaur. The lead singer is Ken Dixon, a, politi- a political commentator with Hearst, Connecticut. All right, this week features an interview with Dan Barrett. He is the legal director of the American Civil Liberties Union here in Connecticut. I'm talking to him because a free speech issue popped up in Derby recently. But before I begin, I just want to read an important message about how you can help your neighbors here in the Valley. COVID-19 has changed life as we know it, and the Valley needs your help now more than ever. The region's health and human service providers face unprecedented challenges in meeting the needs of those affected by this pandemic. Some organizations are even at risk at closing their doors. You can make a difference right here in our community by joining with others in three ways. Give directly to Valley nonprofits, participate in the Valley United Way annual campaign, or support the Valley COVID-19 Response and Recovery Fund. Visit valleyfoundation.org to learn more. Okay, so like I said, this episode is about a free speech issue in Derby. The quick summary is as follows. A resident repeatedly criticized Derby government officials and some policy and was advised by the city's lawyer that legal action could be taken against her. On the face of it, that struck me as heavy-handed, I'll admit, and questionable, excuse me, under the First Amendment. But at the end of the day, what do I know? I'm one guy who runs a news site in the Valley somehow. I barely graduated high school. So I called up the American Civil Liberties Union to get their take on it. Their lawyers have a much better understanding of this kind of stuff than I do. Uh, I also talked to this attorney, Dan Barrett, about big picture stuff. For years now, elected officials and public employees have contacted me privately to complain and pressure me about comments made by readers online and comments made in letters published on valleyindy.org. And at the end of the day, many public officials don't like to be criticized. And they don't like that the Valley Indy provides a place where residents can do that. Dan and I touch upon that a little bit as well. Okay, so back to this Derby issue. Here's some more specific background on it. As you may or may not know, the city of Derby is in the process of changing its charter. A bipartisan group of appointed volunteers have been working for months to suggest changes, and some of those suggestions will be decided on by Vody, I'm sorry, by Derby voters in November. But this podcast is not about charter revision, but an issue connected to charter revision. A resident like I had said, written several emails to Derby City Hall alleging the composition of that commission, the Charter Revision Commission, violates state law, according to this resident. The law, by the way, says you can't have more than a third of the commission be elected officials and the elected officials. The resident says that the number of elected officials exceeds state guidelines. However, the Derby Corporation Council says the resident's wrong. He points out she's counting two political party leaders who serve on the commission as holding public office. 
Derby's Corporation Council said local political party leaders, although chosen by members of their own party, are not considered to be public office holders. Corporation Council also provided a court case that he said backs up his researched legal opinion. And by the way, I reached out to two other lawyers independent of this. They both said Derby's Corporation Council is 100% in the right as it pertains to the members of this commission. Just a FYI for people. But the resident disagreed and threatened to issue the city a cease and desist order. She emailed her complaints to the press and the city's corporation council responded with a reply all, which also went to the media outlets. He pointed out that the resident failed to share his letter explaining to her his research on this particular issue and cautioned her about publishing what he characterized as false statements. Quote, you are hereby warned that any further publication of your inaccurate and false statements by you or by any third party will be injurious to me, Mr. Backlick, Mr. Garofalo, Mayor Zinkin, and other Derby public officials, and will result in legal action being commenced against you and any third party publishing your inaccurate and false statements, the Corporation Council said in the email. So my question was, is there justification for this? Can a government official make a statement like that to a private citizen? Is it justified? First, I'll play for you more comments from the Derby Corporation Council's take on this matter as explained, as he explained to the, excuse me, Derby Charter Revision Commission last month. I really need some water. Might have to pause this. Uh, please keep in mind this audio is from Zoom, okay? So it's not perfect. It's a little, you have to listen closely. Also, the clip's long. It's about five minutes long, but I'm not editing it, nor will I comment on it while it plays because it gives the city the chance to address its side of this issue. So let me just bring it up on the old Roadcaster Pro that I have. Here is Derby's Corporation Council explaining this issue to the Derby Charter Revision Commission uh, in late August. Before we begin, if we could just have a couple minutes to give everyone, just bring up everyone up to speed on uh, the emails that uh, I copied you on uh, over the last 24 hours. I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, again, everyone's hearing it directly. Uh, from me as corporation counsel rather than out on the street. Uh, it's not a matter of conversation. It's just a matter of report. Uh, if anyone has any specific questions, I would ask them just to be limited because I don't think it's really much to talk about. But uh, there was a constituent uh, who uh, had uh, issues. I don't know what her issues were specifically, uh, but uh, originally uh, the individual had served the uh, city with uh, freedom of information uh, requests and requesting the names, addresses, telephone numbers of all boards and commissions in the city, uh, including town committee, uh, the town, the two town committees. Uh, and uh, that information was provided to the best of our ability. The town does not maintain, the city does not maintain the specific list that she was looking for, but to the extent she was entitled to information, I gave her what she was entitled to. Uh, after I provided that to her, uh, she submitted a letter uh, to the uh, to the city where she basically took the position that this body was uh, illegally constituted because uh, by statute, no more than one third of the membership of uh, this body can be uh, held by uh, anyone who holds any other public office. 
and uh, she took the position that uh, any other public office included uh, being a member of the two town committees. Uh, so therefore, if she were correct, you know, there would be more than one third of the membership being of uh, holding any other public office. Uh, I received her letter. I read her letter. I researched her letter. I read case law on issue, found a, matter, a case that was on, you know, as close to on point as uh, I could. Uh, this really comes down to a question of statutory construction and what did the legislature intend. But uh, if you followed along in my response, uh, in my opinion, town committee members are not public uh, officers for purposes of uh, individuals holding public office. They are not elected by the general population. They are elected in accordance with uh, specific party rules. They have no uh, authority other than to uh, uh, take action in accordance with their party their their uh, party rules, and that's the limitation. Uh, and like uh, the judge said in the decision that I forwarded uh, to the individual with my opinion, there's nothing to suggest in the statute anywhere that these individuals would be public officials. So uh, I, I warned her not to uh, bring frivolous, frivolous lawsuits in the court, which would cost the city money. Uh, and uh, as of this moment in time, I have not received uh, a written summons and complaint. But what she did, uh, claiming she had not yet reviewed my uh, email, she sent her letter to the press. So I re received that last night. Uh, I did not want to wait till the morning. I wanted to get out ahead of it because uh, I wanted to put the press on notice that it was my position that the information contained in her uh, letter was inaccurate. And um, the way that um, defamation laws work against public officials is the, pre the press uh, would be protected if they um, published something in good faith. So if they did not have reason to know the, the falsity of the information. So I wanted to put everyone on notice that I had already provided a response letter indicating that uh, the, the individual's position was inaccurate and that uh, the statements contained therein were false and they were impugning the integrity of city officials and uh, that she was now acting with a reckless disregard for the truth and she was, you know, basically putting herself in jeopardy. Uh, we then, uh, you know, she, she claimed what she claimed uh, and I sent my final response where I said, you know, this is not a game. This is of, of debate and discussion. Uh, as Corporation Council in the city of Derby, I have the final say on all matters that involve the law, and only a court can reverse my uh, opinion. So unless and until a court does, that's my opinion. But I believe that my opinion is well-grounded in the law and in the facts before. So that's where we are. Uh, I do understand uh, that she may have posted on Facebook. Uh, my suggestion is uh, no one should be engaging in a dialogue on this matter. Uh, there's nothing to be gained from it. Uh, and uh, basically my position at this moment, in, in which is really simplified in my final email, will just stand for itself. And if she files a lawsuit, we'll deal with it. Uh, but uh, again, as of this moment, I'm unaware. Uh, and unless anyone has any questions, I would just ask Mark to uh, draw us to our first Okay, so that was, uh, I almost said Ansonia, Derby Corporation Council, Vin Marino, uh, bringing the Charter Revision Commission up to speed on this issue. So, <clears throat> I mean, actually, the first thing I'm doing now is engaging f in further dialogue on this issue, because I was curious, 
after everything that transpired, including that uh, summary of, of what's going on. Well, how much can the public criticize uh, its government before you get a warning that legal action can be taken? And, and the Valley India is a third party. What does that mean for me? So I called up Dan Barrett at the American Civil Liberties Union. He's their legal director. And here is my interview with Dan from Friday, August 28th. There was a lag in getting it online because the news has been the news uh, in the Valley. So this is a little late, but here's Dan. Sure, that's fine. All right. So joining me uh, on the phone, uh, and I'm, I'm very interested in, in talking to him, is actually someone who knows about this issue, an expert, uh, as opposed to me just babbling on. Joining me is Dan Barrett, and he's the legal director for the Connecticut ACLU. Welcome to the program, Dan. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So I had reached out to the ACLU about this uh, issue uh, ongoing uh, in the city of Derby, where basically uh, the city's corporation council uh, in an email had warned a resident about possibly uh, perpetuating what the government, uh, the, the Mayor Zika's administration had characterized as perhaps false information. Uh, without going too into the weeds. And I thought it would be worth having Mr. Barrett on to talk about, well, what are the limits? Because I was under the impression the, you know, it's 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 the First Amendment and uh, the, the public has a right to criticize uh, their government. We all know the phrase, throw the bums out. I mean, Dan, if I say throw the bums out, can I expect a letter from a corporation council warning me that um, I might get sued if I say that too often? I sure hope not. I think there's two ways of looking at the situation. And, and you know, one is, is through a legal lens, and then number two is just through a sort of healthy democracy lens. And to take the latter first, it, it seems to me that, sure, at any time a municipality is debating uh, a, a policy change, a charter review, uh, an ordinance, really anything that, that reflects municipality's policy, that, that it makes sense to leave a wide open space for voters, residents in that municipality to, to voice their opinions. Now, you know, their opinions can range from interesting and insightful to, you know, a, a waste of time to unhinged, you know, all the way up to new information that, that elected officials did not previously know. And in that sense, it, it makes a lot of sense to leave the floor wide open so that everyone can voice their opinions. And elected officials, of course, are free to, to pick and choose and decide, well, gee, that, that voter is telling me something that's important and I should listen to, or that voter is voicing an opinion that I don't agree with and I'm not going to act on. Uh, you know, as elected officials, uh, Connecticut municipal officers are expected to be able to filter uh, the wheat from the chaff to pay attention to their constituents. Uh, and, you know, it, it seems like an unnecessary exercise to give people legalistic warnings that are effectively going to convince, if not the speaker, then some other folks in the community, maybe it's best not to speak up. Now, the, the fact that I was looking at the, the Derby Attorney, uh, Derby Corporation Council's uh, email in, in response to this uh, letter, there was a back and forth uh, in a bunch of emails, and he had said, the Corporation Council, you're hereby warned that any further publication of your inaccurate and false statements by you or 
or by any third party will be injurious to me, Mr. Backlund, and a bunch of city officials will result in legal action being commenced against you. Uh, have you ever heard of that happening uh, with something like this? Are there cases where I, I, I guess I'm trying to say, like, do you agree that, all right, maybe that's not good government to say that maybe that's not exactly encouraging, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the exchange of ideas. But was Mr. Marino in his right to send an email like that? Does could could he have a case? Well, there, the, the law sort of breaks down two ways when we're talking about um this area of the law is called defamation. And so that is a, a, um, you know, a, a private lawsuit in which a person accuses the other of effectively, you know, impugning their character um, in front of other people. And the guarantee that, that limits the reach of defamation is, of course, the First Amendment right to free speech and also our state constitutional guarantees to free speech. We have um, similar but slightly different guarantees in our state constitution of two provisions that address this. And when it comes to these types of situations in which a person is warning or threatening or making a claim that they have been defamed, the law is going to look at two things, uh, and that is opinion versus facts. So as a first threshold question, if the person is uh, the alleged defamer is making public their opinion about an elected official, there's there's a, a pretty tough sledding when it comes to filing a lawsuit against that person. So the first part... Um, you know, a person's opinion about how the government is conducting its activities is pretty much off limits from a defamation suit. Uh, as, as you say, throw the bums out. It is, was, and probably forever will be a lawful thing for the American public to say about their elected officials and about government agencies. Um, the second is that public officials themselves, even if the information uh, were, you know, factual and not opinion-based, they've got a pretty tough road to hoe because they are public officials. Um, a person who has uh, run for office or accepted appointment uh, to an office, they are presumed under the law to put up with some of the cut and thrust of politics and to have people make statements about the way they're performing their jobs in ways that maybe a private citizen wouldn't find to be acceptable. So those things are really tough. If it came to fact, on the other hand, the person is, is making a representation about fact, that's, that's a different matter. For example, saying, uh, you know, this person uh, engages in the following behavior in their private life. That, that's something different. Um, you know, it's not clear to me how much of that was that issue in the Derby situation as opposed to the person's opinion about, number one, the way the government's uh, performing its job doing this charter revision, and number two, about the state of the law, which is really something that, that you know, from, from the beginning of um, Connecticut as a state, its citizens have debated publicly and been accustomed to debating. Now, of course, their opinions on the law may be wrong, or they may be the ones that don't ultimately prevail, but that, that doesn't rob them of the ability to express an opinion about what the law is. And, you know, one thing as a uh, editor and reporter and, and, and the guy who takes out the garbage at a very small news organization uh, in Connecticut, I always sort of get uh, PTSD at this point when the elections roll around because I accept letters to the editor. And invariably, I will get phone calls from public officials who uh, either point out, well, something isn't entirely accurate in that letter, or they just don't like the, the tone that the letter writer has taken, and in, in, invariably I'm threatened, or it's insinuated, perhaps not on the record, that I'll get sued uh, for, for libel in that matter. Uh, if I'm elected, and usually I respond, I, I have a, a letters to the editor policy where I, I cite the New York Times case, I guess from 1964, that says 
public officials don't, you know, there's a higher bar. Uh, people are allowed to criticize you, which is essentially, I think, what you just just said. But are public officials taught this when they uh, take office in any way? Is there any, is there any training? Like, does the ACLU, could, could they come to a, a municipality and say, like, here, here here's the facts on, on libel and slander? Part of the, part of the job is that you're going to get criticized. We don't, in part because we expect that anyone who puts their hat in the ring to be a public official has an obligation to learn what the law is, and not just with respect to free speech, but, but with a variety of other areas. For example, um, we expect municipal officials to understand their role in lawmaking, the, the extent of their authority, and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, we, we can't go around training all the municipal officials uh, in no small part because they don't have the resources for it, but we do expect that they would seek education on their own as to the limits of the law with respect to this or any other question. So if they, they wonder, you know, what's my bonding authority or anything like that, well, they, they can, they're under the obligation to figure that out uh, on their own and to make the best efforts to comply with the law. Now, when it comes to threatening newspapers for reprinting letters to the editor, I mean, it's an even tougher slog for an elected official. Um, you know, the main reason being that newspapers have what's usually called a reporting or a fair reporting privilege. And so if the newspaper reprints the letter, um, and, you know, it's garden variety, sort of, I think the mayor's a bomb, that, that sort of stuff. You know, as long as the newspaper is not altering the contents of the letter, you know, or then it's, it's, it's not really the newspaper's problem. Now, if the newspaper publishes a news story repeating um, the, the person's charges as if they were fact without having investigated them, that's a different question. Um, but when the newspaper is operating, you know, this community service of letting people write in and express their opinions to their neighbors, you know, I wish an elected official luck at trying to get a newspaper uh, uh, on the hook for the opinions of the letter writer. It's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough um, road to hoe. And then you have the, the optics of it, which is elected officials in Connecticut have a lot to do. They're pretty busy. And you have to wonder about uh, a person who wants to devote a lot of time into basically sparring with a single voter when it might make more sense to just make the case to the public that the position that the elected official wants is the right one or the, the one that makes most sense for their municipality. Uh, and then sort of doubling back to this Derby issue, you know, I'm an, I'm a website. The Valley Indy is a website where people uh, can use Facebook to comment on the site. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, Charles Sampson, who is an elected member of the Board of Aldermen, he weighed in on this issue of, uh, you know, the battling of, of the letters, the uh, Corporation Council representing the administration versus this uh, single uh, Derby resident who had an opinion uh, different than the administration. And, and he said, Mr. Sampson sort of, and I hear this a lot from public officials on the hyper-local level, well, there's so much, there's so much misinformation in the community. How do we get a handle uh, on this misinformation? Uh, and he says in his statement, uh, uh, the, the, the taxpayer pressed several inaccurate issues through letters and emails to the administration and corporation council. Uh, so there, there's apparently other uh, messages between this taxpayer and the administration that I'm in the public are, are not privy to. And then forwarded them to the news meter after being informed several times of their inaccuracies. And he says, at some point, we must draw the line with people to let them know that their concerns are noted, yet their less than accurate innu innuendos must stop. 
uh, as sort of justification for the Corporation Council sending this letter. Th- does that sound right to you? Is that sort of past the municipal government smell test and, and in terms of um, libel and slander and the things that we're talking about here? Well, depending on, you know, at the extreme, <clears throat> I guess there's, I'm going <laughs> to disappoint you in that, uh, uh, like a lawyer, almost every legal question, that, that, you know, a very good answer might be it depends. Uh, <laughs> now, if we're, <laughs> so if we're talking about a, a bona fide dispute over policy where some person, you know, really has a bone and, and they've just, they really want to run it to the ground where they're saying, you know, I really think this violates X, Y, and Z. You know, there's a point at which municipal officials are perfectly free to say, well, gee, I think you're wrong, and I'm not going to respond to any further communications <laughs> with you on this subject. Uh, I imagine that happens quite a lot in, in Connecticut. Um, that, that doesn't necessarily make the communications defamatory, nor, nor would something in the order of, you know, like a citizen writing and saying, I think you're violating the law for the following reasons, and it turns out that, you know, the, the opinion of the law that the citizen has is, is, is either not right or is a minority opinion that the courts have not recognized. Um, but that is just kind of, that's the nature of democracy. Now, on the other end, on the, the most extreme version of the spectrum, you can imagine a situation in which a person is writing to other, you know, writing to the public, making public, let's say, wild factual accusations about an elected official, um, you know, things that the person absolutely knows are not true and are completely outrageous. You know, there, there's at the absolute end, there is a, a kernel of actionable stuff on mm-hmm. that end. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, pretty rare. And I think that oftentimes elected officials um, view an allegation that they are not following the law or that they're not good at their jobs as a personal attack when the reality is that simply part of politics. I mean, I think uh, when, you know, the first humans on earth organized their, you know, the very first form of representative government, approximately seven seconds after electing their leader, somebody had a gripe with that leader. That That is the way it works. Um, and so if, if the deceit in Derby is simply overlook, you know, the charter revision is wrong, you've gone about it wrong, you're wrong in the law, that, that seems to me just like the garden variety nature of politics. And if people are taking offense at it, you know, I, I don't know what to suggest to them. But, it, it, you know, people typically, not necessarily the letter writer who might be quite intent on expressing their opinion, but it, it makes us a little nervous at the ACLU when, when municipalities are warning people that, you know, they, they could be sued. It's, you know, it tends to disrupt the, the participation of folks in government, which is, what we really need to happen. I mean, look at our voting rates. They're, we need them to improve. We need people to come to city council meetings, even if it's only by Zoom, um, and really engage in their own their own governance. And this is just this is my last question. Uh, you know, I cover uh, the lower Naugatuck Valley, and I've been here for 11 years, and I probably had 10 years before that in, in, in the Danbury area, and then going into New York. I'm not sure I've ever seen an attorney for municipality uh, include a statement like this in an email warning a resident, hey, watch it, we have legal rights we can, we can use. Is, is this something that, is, that, 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 that you're hearing more about by any chance in Connecticut or in general? No, not not so much. I mean, the, the issue arises occasionally. And, and I should say that I, I know as much about the dispute as, as I have seen um, coverage of. So there may be other letters that, you know, the parties have exchanged that, that no one's seen. Heaven knows. Right. Um, 
so what? But what I have seen, and I think what is what is fairly routine, is for municipal officials to take criticism, job performance criticism as if it is aimed at you know a moral failing. And so you see that across the board in Connecticut. For example, um, you see now a, a you know for the last few years has been a huge dispute over whether the way in which police employees perform their job. Um, can be open to public scrutiny, and police employees tend to view it as uh, information that's intensely private and embarrassing. The reality is, how they do their jobs on the on the taxpayers' dime is in no way private and is not embarrassing. It's simply a reflection of how they decided to do their job that day. Uh, and so, oftentimes, there's a, there's a very natural human temptation for people in government to view criticism as aimed at the core of who they are, when the reality is it's about their job performance and. In a democracy, it's extremely important for people to be able to air those. Now, a person may make criticisms in public, and and their fellow neighbors and voters decide. Well, I think that person's off base, mm-hmm. or they could decide, oh, that person's got a great point. I'm going to vote a different way. But that's that's all in the nature of, of democracy. If if people are addressing the way the government's doing its jobs, uh, the way that the government is adhering to the law or not, that's the very nature of, of uh, what Connecticut's about. All right, sir. Those are. All my questions. I want to thank you first for for coming on on just a few hours notice. Uh, and like you said, I should also point out that Mr. Barrett is commenting on on just my article and some documents I sent. Uh, so that that is important to to point out uh, on, for both of us, I guess. But uh, with that being said, I, I want to thank you and uh, I wish you a good day. You too, Gene. Great to hear from you. All right. Thank you, sir.